0: You're listening to episode 44. I'm Jules. And I'm Cece. And was that great? Yes. Was that great? That was really good. Okay. Thanks, man. Really Thanks. I am. I'm a professional podcaster. Here we are. Uh, We are in a recording marathon, which also means a researching marathon. And let me tell you, I've. Been researching some crazy batshit crazy. Stuff so this is gonna be a crazy about a dude. Episode? I think so. I mean, like the first. Okay, I'm gonna tell you this. So I listened to some podcasts about this dude. I like to listen to this podcast called Serial Killers. They're they're not like entertaining people, but they. Give you a lot of have information. I've heard that one
1: before. I just listened to it a little bit the other day, actually.
0: I think I made you listen to it once when we were traveling, right? Uh, yeah, I think that you did. Like, they're just very matter-of-fact. Like, the way that they report is very reporter-like. It
1: just makes me feel very you know? much like they did their research. Like, they're smarty pants where we're not.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like they're smart, even though I have no idea if they are real good researchers. What I do want to say about this and I will keep saying it over and over again don't do a fucking book report on the things that I say okay? no never I find this stuff on the interwebs so that's our sole
1: purpose of or our sole way of researching except for sometimes I read books yeah.
0: but it takes me a while oh. cuz I'm a very busy lady yeah you are so I'm I do this for entertainment purposes, right? We're story-tellers. we're storytellers, so I'm telling you a story. We're storyteller. Here's the thing about this story: holy hell! Like, buckle up. There were so many different sources online and podcasts that I listened to that I had to just like take all of the shit, put it on the paper, and then try to like. It was like unraveling a big ball of yarn. Okay, so. So, I did the mm-hmm. best I can. Okay, I did the best I can. Okay. So, let's see how this story unfolds. Are you ready? I'm ready.
1: Yeah. Ready for this? Just buckling up. Okay. Just ready to ask you some questions. I think I burped a little start. bit when I
0: said that. So you sorry. Love sorry. it. Okay,
1: good. Science.
0: S- 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 this is your first
1: time listening to us. Sometimes we burp. So. <laughs> S-
0: We've had a little case of the giggles today oh, also. All right, let's do this. <sighs> Burps and all. Let's do it. Okay, so this is the tale of one Frederick Bailey Deeming. And I really needed to know if his if like he had a middle name that was Bailey, and it turns out not so much. Like, that literally was his mom's maiden name. Oh, yeah, they did that. This asshole is just like, A braggadocious fraudster type, a big ol' murdery bigamist. Oh. He's a shitball. Shitball? Like Like
1: a straight round (laughs) turd.
0: Like, actually, he's more like the squirts. Like, he's a horrible, horrible. Literal diarrhea. Literal diarrhea. Literal diarrhea that was born on July 30th, 1853, at. Ashby de la Zouche in Leicestershire. Lish- I'm sorry, English folk. Why, well, why you, you got even names like it, this?
1: you? You were just like, well, I'm just gonna I'm just
0: gonna see what I can make happen here. I'm just jumping right into this. Like, right. like most of English stuff is pretty easy, but this like what? L- Light Leicestershire? There's just so many shires. And I think stuff. you don't even say shire. Okay, so I think it's like Leicestershire, like sure Is it like a shire? Sure? Okay, Leicestershire. Leicestershire. Um, he is the son. Okay, you. Okay. He is the son of Thomas Deeming, who is a Brazier or not a Brazier. That's like a bra. Is <laughs> <laughs> a bra salesman. <laughs> A a brazier, maybe, or a tinsmith. He's a tinsmith. All right, that's okay? a better. They just tried to, to use this other word in here that sounds like a boob holster, but that <laughs> is not bulb. what he was. <laughs> like a bulb <laughs> he, he just like held tits for a living. That's what he would just do. Hold them
1: titties. Okay.
0: You stand there, hold these. Okay. So he was married to a woman named Anne Deeming, who, as I said before. Her last name used to be Bailey. Okay, yeah. So not his middle name. Okay, so Frederick Bailey Deeming. There's really not a lot known about his early life, but I did hear some stuff, like, on the Serial Killer podcast. So he is, like, the youngest of seven children. And basically in his youth, like, starting in his youth, I guess he was known as Mad Fred because he just had some, like, He was naughty. Like he had a lot of abnormal behaviors. Um, His father did beat the shit out of the kids. And also he had these like crazy mood swings with severe depression mixed in. So wondering if maybe he had some like super bipolar going on there. He attempted suicide on like four different occasions by slashing his own throat, sometimes in front of the children.
1: So he unsuccessfully slashed his own throat multiple times.
0: Like, I think like some of the times he would just like put a knife up to his throat and be like, oh, "I'm gonna do it," and they were like, do
1: not to make a light of that." But holy shit, man!
0: Like, there's other ways that are not in front of your children. Number one and number two that are not insane. Like, whoa, that's fucked. So, I mean, dude was going through it hard. Yeah. Like, things were rough. Eventually, his dad died. He was completely insane. And he died in some workhouse. And I don't really know what happened there. But his mom tried to kind of like overcompensate on the other side, which I get it. I get it. But basically, by like most accounts, uh, Fred had a very like stifling relationship with his mom. She was like a super Sunday school teacher kind of mom. And she was very like puritanical in her interpretation of the bible and like how she would try to instill things in her children so she was like really churchy and basically was always like you're sinning you're sinning. everything is a sin right we're all sinners here yeah lady i'm a sinner yeah me too yeah okay All right. So I think that she was trying to overcompensate for the bullshit probably that he was putting up with from his dad, like that the kids, like, you know, how she was doing things. There are some accounts that Fred actually would like carry a Bible with him during all of his travels and that he was a little bit obsessed with the concept of sin and punishment.
1: He's just like a really big fan of the Bible. He's like a big, big fan, big
0: fan of the Bible. I thought you were gonna say he's a big fan of sin. Well Which he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's
1: actually a big fan of sin. He's a yeah. super big fan he's of like, Let me the check sin. out my Bible to see what other ways I can sin. Basically, like it was pretty bad. Let me consult my Bible to see what the worst thing is that I can do.
0: It kinda seemed like he had a sense of as we go through the story, it kinda seems like he had a sense of like sin and punishment as it comes to women. Oh, um, in particular, which, you know, is kind of a recurring theme in some serial killers. So, there's yeah. that. All right, by the time he was, like, 13 years old, he would run away for days at a time, like, trying to escape from the crazy home life. Not really sure how old he was when his dad died, but I think his dad was already dead at this point. He kind of just, like, was looking for adventure all the time. Uh, in 1869, when he was 16 years old, he... he uh decided he was going to dip and he dipped on a ship. He went and got on a ship and started working his way around the world. Basically, he was sailing around the world. working on ships.
1: how can I sin in every country?
0: We totally did, too. And like, I don't know what he was up to while he was sailing around. I'm guessing he was probably banging prostitutes. I know he was like, like stealing stuff. He had a lot of thievery going on. Gluttony, there was probably. definitely and
1: what said gluttony and adultery oh, gluttony he was doing the all the sins degree.
0: he was doing so oh. many sins like he had a lot of minor offenses in various countries and he would do these like teeny little stints in prisons oh all over the place it was kind of weird later on it comes out as they're blaming him for some things like he does like to talk about himself a lot, mm-hmm. and it's not all true or whatever, but he does blame prostitutes for giving him venereal diseases, and he, like, thinks that they should have to pay for that, and it's like, dude. You're the
1: one doing it. You're the one.
0: Yeah. You've whatever. You entered a communal okay. pool, so. Like, come on. Okay. His mom died in 1875, Uh, so he would have been, like, what, in his mid 20s or some shit yeah without mathing real fast this came as like a really big blow to him and he suffered a mental breakdown he may have been institutionalized at some point in here but I really don't know so I'm just gonna say he was and make that up okay because some things kind of said he was later on in life he did say that his mom's spirit would come to him and tell him to kill people
1: oh <laughs> she like telling so... him, like stop doing these bad things and, but instead she was it was
0: probably her fault all along well i think maybe she was telling him to like punish women oh maybe like that's that's the only part that makes kind of sense with it anyway I think
1: that he probably was having some hallucinations
0: ah, i think so and we're gonna talk about that in a minute here okay yeah. In 1878, so like three years later, you know, he's back out there. He's traveling around the world, working on ships, stopping in places, doing things, who knows what. He's in India, and he contracts malaria, which, if you know anything about malaria, it kind of hits you in like a neurological way, I guess, and you get it from Skeeters. The Skeeters bite you. Yeah. He's in India for, like, three months, and he is suffering big time, and he's to a point where he's going through, like, multiple seizures a day. Where was he,
1: like, living or staying? Did they have hospitals, or was he just, like, on the
0: street? I, I don't... I assume he was in some kind of hospital. Okay. Like, maybe in connection with who knows what. Like, he did a lot of odd jobs like over his lifetime he was just always doing something mm-hmm. um, it sounded like he was a hard worker when he was working it's just yeah. like it's very anyway this is very interesting so he was stabilized and then he headed back to England and his his brothers were still there in England where he was from one of his brothers is named Albert and the other one is some other name that I can't okay. remember
1: Okay, so got his Al brother said. And some guy.
0: Yeah. So his brother said that he would sometimes go on these like wild ramblings. Like he would just be like word vomiting all over them. And they thought that it was just like leftover from the sickness, you know, from the malaria. And they're like, mm, that there's Fred being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's back in England, he did some odd jobs. I did read somewhere that he would sometimes work with his brothers. So, Mm -hmm. like, I think they learned how to do some, like, pipe fitting, maybe, like, gas pipe fitting or some shit. Anyway, there comes a certain point in here after he gets back to England and is living there. It's like he has this persona shift after the malaria. He decides basically, or, you know, everyone can see outwardly that he's, like, decided to reinvent himself. Basically, like leaving behind his fucked up childhood, whoever he was before, he's like, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. I don't care. I'm going to create a new life for myself, be the person I want to be. Which normally I would say, like, you're awesome. That's great. Yeah, like that sounds transcend. If you the had bullshit. a bad but but if you
1: decide you're going to start murdering,
0: which yeah, I'm guessing that's he decided where you were going. Yeah. He decided to do it by dressing fancy like Hmm. he was really going to dress fancy and pretend to be that that he was like somebody that was a lot better off than he probably was financially. He got super braggy. He became one of those people that always had to like one up you in a conversation like anything that you would say he would be like oh yeah well that's not as cool as my story. Right. Right. He would argue with people just to argue a point. He always had to be, like, the smartest, the most clever, the most successful one in the room.
1: So, like, with this situation, was he still, like, rambling, though?
0: I am assuming that he was able to hide this because of the the amount... rambling
1: seemed like it would be, like, counterproductive to what he's trying to do.
0: (laughs) It really does. And I think that possibly that went away and that he just... Became this like superb asshole. Okay, what he was though is he was charming. Like he was charming to women, but was he good? Men? Uh, well, yeah. Let's talk about that. that's actually next on the list. So there's a description of him from later on in life when he was getting in trouble. From when he became infamous, uh, he was about five foot seven. Does that sound familiar to you? Um, like perhaps H.H. H. Holmes, um, the same size man. He had a stocky build. I know a hard you're going with this. face.
1: The stocky uh, build though. This guy was like the the other guy was slender. Well, this guy Isn't was ruggedly I handsome. Why am I not thinking of what I'm trying to say here? The of a Jack a Slender Ripper. Man? Jack the Ripper was more like Jack oh. the Ripper was only like 150
0: pounds. I don't yeah, think that's I don't... stocky even at five seven seems tiny. No, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm I'm guessing that they mean stocky, like maybe more muscular, because he wasn't chubs. Okay. So Okay. So they say hard faced, and I'm thinking that means like from looking at his picture, I think that just means like more chiseled. Ruggedly handsome with fair hair, a ginger mustache. basically he had like a bright red. He's mustache. a red
1: beard okay.
0: He's a red beard, blue eyes, and he definitely had a way with the words when it came to speaking to the ladies. Okay. So he would definitely like pass himself off as being a gentleman of aristocratic birth. Women basically would succumb to his charms pretty easily, yeah. So like that's it. who he wanted to be and so he just made that decision. In 1879 at this point uh he is let's see. He's in his mid 20s, okay? Okay. His brother Alfred marries this chick named Martha. And at that point Fred met Martha's sister Marie. And he was like, damn, girl. And she was like, okay. And they got together. They had a love story. And this is where things start to get confusing. Okay? Okay. So some things I need you to know about Fred. Fred loves trying on new names. He loves trying on new professions. He loves trying on new wives he okay. clearly views most of the world as being at his disposal he basically gets whatever he wants and is not afraid to take it like okay. the man has no fear like in an like in a crazy irrational way yeah, so it sounds like it he has some people said he had eight different aliases other people said that he had like dozens i would tend to think that since he traveled the world before he settled down, quote unquote, that's totally in air quotes, settled down and got married, I would guess he probably did have like multiple, multiple names. But some of the ones that we're gonna be talking about today are Harry Lawson, okay, Albert Oliver Williams, Mister Druin, Mister Duncan, and Baron Swanston Okay, Ooh, he's a Baron. He's a baron. So anyway, some of this will get a little bit confusing. I'm going to try to make it as not confusing as possible. Again, like this was so hard to put all these pieces together. Such a really messed up individual. Okay. He has come up as a viable suspect for the Jack the Ripper case over the years. So, that's why I kind of brought up, like, hey, that 5-7 thing, like, the case that you just did on H.H. Holmes, who was also a suspect in that. So, just throwing that out there as we begin the story. Okay? All right. So, at this point, he's in this relationship with Marie. Her name is Marie James Frederick. Okay. On February 28th of 1881, he's 28 years old. And they are in Tranmore, Treshire, in in the UK. Um, they get married. So I'm kinda like, what what took him so long to like decide he was gonna get married? Twenty-eight years old. Like He is busy on both Yeah, but you're gonna see that once the dam breaks, he really likes getting married. He loves love also, just like H. I don't think he lo- no, I don't think he loves love. Like, I think
1: they do, though.
0: I think he loves the attention from getting engaged yeah, and getting I know. married. I know. Obviously. Okay. He's a super narcissist. Like, dude is all about himself. Okay. So they briefly lived in Birkenhead before he took off by himself for Australia. After a little while in 1881, like shortly after the wedding, Fred tells her that he's going to go and move to Australia and don't worry, I'm going to send for you once I get enough money, okay? And something to know about Marie as we get into this like I think she genuinely cares about Fred, or she wouldn't put up with this bullshit for as long as she did. But seriously, she's like, "Don't fuck with me. You're gonna see." Okay, so as she's, we go through a, it, which she's a badass. Problem. I think she's kind of a badass. I mean, right. like, I there weren't like any accounts of what her personality was like other than when she was like letting him have it. So I did like that. I like the. So it seems of her. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like he. Fred worked on a ship called the Varius in order to get over to Australia. In August of 1881, he deserted that ship in Sydney, at a port in Sydney. Okay. In Sydney. He worked there as a plumber and a gas fitter for the most part, which is something that he had learned, right, working Mm -hmm. with his brothers. Yeah. But he also... Was working for a guy named John Danks, who was a guy from Melbourne, which is not that far from Sydney. I think that I one is Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, I didn't look at a fucking map. Okay, just so you know. Okay, I just figured <laughs> so I, I don't to,
1: know. I knew how to fix one. So, all right, keep going.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm happy for you. Okay, so he was a Melbourne importer of plumbing and gas fitting supplies. His Melbourne employers, John Danks, and the people that worked for him regarded Fred as an excellent worker and extended him 200 pounds worth of credit. So supposedly he was going to use that 200 pounds of credit to open a business in Rockington, Queensland. Okay. I think. No, wait. Rockhampton. Did I say Rockington? Oh, I think, yeah. I just straight up made that shit up. (laughs) <laughs> he was going to open a business, supposedly, in Rockhampton, Queensland. Okay. I think that might be in Australia, but I don't know. I think it you is. You can side quest that shit. But I okay. might be wrong. Okay. So he had told Marie that he was going to save up money and send for her, but he super sucked at that. And he was failing, he realized. So he was like, eh, I guess I'm just going to steal. The money... That he took on credit, he never repaid that. He also worked for a Sydney gas fitter where he was charged with the theft of brass fittings from that employer. So he pretty much just pisses people off all over the place, like steals a shit. He is a dick. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, for him, it's like the sky's the limit. I won't get caught. He denied the theft because, as you will see in Fred's life, nothing is ever his fault. So, the items were found at his home, even though he didn't steal them, and he was sentenced to a six-week imprisonment. Apparently, when he went to court for this, um, he was very dramatic and he pretended to faint when he was sentenced. Jeez, like this is that time period? Remember when they wanted the women to faint? Did the fainting? Well, he did, because he's very dramatic. Oh, so. he's a delicate flower. Okay. He's a delicate petunia. Okay, so it's almost a year later in July of 1882. So he's been in Australia for just about a year. And Marie finally arrives in Melbourne to be with him, right? So in their short marriage.
1: What? So I was thinking that he was just going to leave
0: her and never get her over there. Oh, no. She really doesn't allow that. You'll see. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she's like, "Nah, bitch, you married me. You put a ring on it. You will come back. So she does like she gets there to be with him, you know, after all of this bullshit. And literally, they haven't spent that much time together at all. But now they're together. And for the next few years, he moved her around the country. And he also would do some time in the slam, like whenever he would get caught fucking up. Yeah, It, it just weird, like these little tiny stints in jail or prison or whatever they they call it something weird over there it was like a it's called it's a -A g-a-o-l like a ghoul a goal (laughs) i don't know whatever um i'm calling it prison or jail okay Okay. he would just get creative when he needed money basically and she knew he was a fuck up but basically you know he was all that she had because she's there by herself in australia with him it was just like okay i guess you know, we're in this together. does wanna to be out on you. the
1: street with the kangaroos or anything.
0: So. <laughs> no. Like giant spiders and mosquitoes and whatever the fuck. Oh, they Everything have over in Australia there. can kill you. It's very scary. So I've heard. Yeah. So after working as a gas fetter in Melbourne and at Rock Rockhampton, Queensland, I almost said Rockingham again. What the hell? I don't know. Man. Um he returned to Sydney in eighteen eighty-four where he did actually do well in his own business for a little while. Between the years of 1881 to 1890, Deeming always had reasons why he had to take little trips. Like There were several voyages that happened in there between uh, England, Australia, different parts of Australia, South Africa, South America. His wife and kids, as they would come along, that were born throughout the 1880s accompanied him for part of this time okay not all the time sometimes he would leave her ass behind she did not like that by 1886 fred and marie had had two daughters already they were bertha and marie marie jr i guess okay i don't know what you call what do you call that that back in the day where
1: you did junior
0: ladies it, like I don't think that she was Marie Junior. I don't. I think, think they that's just they named her after said. themselves. Yeah. Okay. Everybody has. So that um... in December of 1887, he declared bankruptcy. Like remember how he thought he was doing good at his own business? Well, it yeah. turns out not so much. And he declared bankruptcy, and he did some kind of weird fucked up shit with money because they sent him to trial again, and. He was charged with fraudulent insolvency. I think what he was doing was like passing bad checks and stuff. Yeah. That I had read. He disappeared from New South Wales while he was on bail. He was supposed to serve 14 days for perjury. And he was just like, "Mm, fuck this shit. I'm out. Okay. In 1888, Marie is pregnant again with their third child. Okay. And he decides that he's going to move the entire family to South Africa. I think that when he disappeared from New South Wales, like, I think that he ditched Marie for a little bit there. Yeah. And she was like, no. Right. She would always find him. Anyway, so.
1: <laughs> She's resourceful. I feel like it'd be really She's easy very... to just
0: leave your family in the 1800s. I know. Like, it was so easy to run away and do bad things back then. There was no accountability with yeah. identification. None whatsoever, which we will see. All right. So it's 1888. Marie is knocked up. She's having a baby. It's a boy. They're moving to South Africa. She gives birth to the baby. His name is Sydney. And she births him on the ship. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. So that would be horrible. I'm sorry that happened to you, Marie. Yeah, I'm sorry a lot of things happened to Marie. Right? So they're in (laughs) South Africa. Now, let's just keep in mind here that she's, like, from England. They're going around to, like, all these, like, English colonies and stuff. Yeah. But still, like, she's someplace she's never fucking been in her entire life. Like, a scary new-ass country. Right? Yeah, with little kids. Um, They get there, and this time he starts using the name Harry Lawson. Like, he's like, no, nah, I'm not Fred anymore. Now I'm Harry. I'm Harry Lawson. Okay. So he gets there and he puts his wife and the kids in this hotel in Cape Town in South Africa. And then he went and got a job in a different place in Kimberly and the Diamond Fields. So okay. while he's there, he's pretty much like ignoring his wife who just gave birth he goes and he has sex with a prostitute later he tells the doctors like once he had gotten in trouble he told the doctors that he had gotten syphilis while he was in africa yeah and apparently the illness wasn't really bothering him that much at that point so he just like kept doing what he was doing and probably just infecting anyone that would sleep with him is my guess
1: yeah syphilis eats
0: your brain i think like, based on his bad behaviors in the past, and then also things that he's about to do, I would just guess that he was probably sleeping with anybody that would sleep with him. Probably. And poor Marie is just, like, in South Africa, doesn't know anybody, and is just, like, stuck in a hotel with this, like, gaggle of children. Yeah. So, he was involved in su- in some successful frauds and theft in Clerksdorp, Holy, that's a really cool name. <laughs> Clerksdorp. <laughs> and Johannesburg, he was known to have been involved in conducting a Transvaal diamond mine swindle. Like, that was a pretty intense thing there. He tricked some people and got some diamonds in 1889. Okay, So while Marie is hanging out in the hotel, he's doing bad shit. Shocker. Sometime in eighteen eighty eight his he must have contacted his brothers or his wife contacted his brothers, Alfred and Walter. His other brother's name is Walter. I like that name, okay, like for old guys, I like it. yeah. They heard that Fred and Marie and the fam were returning to England with quote, a considerable fortune. oh, okay. so that's like remember he likes to brag. he does. That stuff? Yeah, he really does. So August of 1889, Marie and the kids are headed back to the UK to Birkenhead, where they were from.
1: I'm glad that she's headed back to, to England.
0: I'm glad she's headed back home, too. I'm relieved for her. I mean, I mean, be relieved for her, but just for a moment. Oh, man. Because I ain't going to last. So he sends them back, and then he like takes this meandering trip home. The only thing they can prove is that on his way back to England, he ended up in Yemen for a while. On his return to England, he was on the steamship called the Yumna. And he was well remembered by the captain and some of the passengers because he was basically like flaunting around all of his jewelry and his money and being like, I'm a hotshot. Sounds like you're going to get robbed. I feel like I wouldn't trust people on the ship. He just liked to really tell stories about himself that just sounded ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Like about how cool he is. Yeah. And he also got some unwanted attention from some of the female passengers, right? Because he's flaunting what he's got. Yeah. So, according to legend, at some point during this trip, he decides that he's going to buy a lion cub.
1: Oh. Okay. You know. Seems like a great idea. casual.
0: Yeah. So, he's like... He's like, it's gonna be really cool. I'm gonna have this lion club. And this is like before <laughs> a the lion time. Club? Of... <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> this, is this lion club. Club for lions. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Scarface. Like yes, remember sorry. in Scarface when he's like before he snorts the mountains of cocaine? Like he has that that tiger or lion or whatever. I have to tell you something in it that I've never seen Scarface. <laughs> Are you serious? Serious. Oh, my God. Yeah. For real. Well, Sorry. you need to stop everything you're doing right now and also watch that. Okay. I'll
1: try to okay. remember
0: that. So he's the original Scarface because he decides he's going to get this lion okay. club. Not club. <laughs> all right. Um. <laughs> so now he's back in the UK in October of 1889. And the reason I keep telling you all of these dates is basically because I'm trying to sound legitimate, number one. And number two, to just, like, kind of show, like, how quickly all of this unfolded in his life.
1: I honestly, I can't remember one thing to the next, but I'm trying. Maybe our listeners are better than I am.
0: Really, when we're looking at this, like, it's throughout the 1880s, okay? Okay. He and Marie have been married for, like, nine years at this point. He's been jacking her around. He's a douchebag that keeps getting in trouble all the time, can't make an honest living to save his ass, just keeps on going back to stealing, getting thrown in jail, getting in trouble for fraud, all this stuff. Okay, so at this point, he's back in UK. He doesn't go immediately to see Marie and the kids. I know, that's super shocking. Yeah, I'm super surprised about his choice. Because... Yeah, you would think he would just want to see her. It just seems like she keeps reining him back in and, like, he really just doesn't want a wife and kids. And it's just like, no! I... Please. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know about this. All right. Keep going. Okay. So, they don't really know about his exact movements, but it does appear that he did, at some point in time, return to Birkenhead in England. At least once. Because... Marie either cheated on him or he went back there for just a second and knocked her up. Okay. So she's pregnant again with kid number 4. Pregnant again and he fucking disappears again. And she's like Whoa! like she's she's she really be had
1: surprised it. At this time at this point.
0: No, she really shouldn't be. It's just, you know. Okay, so what was he up to? Well, in November of that same year, so right, so he was back in UK in October. By November, he was staying in the nearby town of Beverly. He passed himself off as a retired sheep farmer. I don't know how he chooses his fake aliases or what he does, but this is weird. He met like a sheep he farmer. Says, he's
1: like, that seems like a cool gig.
0: <laughs> he's like, I'm. I'm a wealthy retired sheep farmer. I've yeah. made a good living. Um, he's saying that his name is Harry Lawson, same as he had done when he was in Africa, I think. Right. Yeah. He says he's from Mount House Farm. What? Is that really a place? Or I don't know. Um, he says he's from Mount House Farm in Rockhampton, Queensland, and that he is living on 1500 pounds a year. Like, that's the lie he's made up and he believes it and is like, this is who I am now. So he's like walking around the town of Hull, which is close by to Beverly. Um, He's pretending to be Harry Lawson. He's being flashy. He's probably like, look at my cool lion cub.
1: Oh, I forgot about his lion cub.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He must have had like a tenderness in his heart of some sort. To like have this lion cub with him for not a while. Well, he was
1: using his lion cub for evil.
0: I think that the lion cub like bit some kids. Yeah. And then they Sounds they were like, You right. can't have that lion cub anymore. And he was probably like, It's okay. I was kinda sick of carrying her on the lion cub, so like I don't how know. big
1: did the lion cub get?
0: Big enough to bite somebody? So he never I don't had know. like a full
1: size mane or anything?
0: No, I'm pretty sure it didn't grow up with him caring for it because he couldn't even care for his own children. All right, so he gets rid of baby children. Simba, and yeah, okay. He gets rid of babies. He gets rid of baby lion cubs. Like, does he remind you of anybody so far?
1: Scarface, the lion. King. No.
0: <laughs> he kind so of reminds bizarre. me of my ex-husband. <laughs> oh my god. He does actually. Like all of his ridiculousness, yes.
1: Yes, this <laughs> is true. Actually. Like, okay. Oh my god. I just, okay. This gave it a whole new meaning in my head. I Keeps know, going. right? Okay. Keeps going.
0: All right. So, he woos this this chick. Um her name is Helen Matheson. She's the 21-year-old daughter of this landlady that he's staying at the place and being like, hey, I'm a sheep farmer, right? And some people call her Nellie and some people called her Helen. I was like, is Nellie a nickname for Helen? I did not know that. But they both have like L in the middle, so that's what I thought. I was like, well, if you put Helen backwards, like maybe like, you know, N E L. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I bet it was, though, anyway. because
1: that's just how things were back then.
0: Yeah, so landlady was like, hey, that's a really good idea. You're rich. I need somebody to marry my 21-year-old daughter. So awesome. He's still married to Marie, but he bigamously marries Helen. Not a Helen. problem for him. Not a problem, because he believes that he is right in everything he does. So marries her on February 18th of 1890, He paid for the wedding with the proceeds of fraud. Shocker. About a month later, after a honeymoon has already happened, so they go on this honeymoon to the south of England, suddenly he disappears. He just takes off without his wife, without either of his wives. Without any wives. No wives in tow. And he takes, like, all of these expensive gifts. Like, expensive gifts that he had given to Matheson, like, things he had stolen and given to her. Matheson is Helen Matheson, the the woman that he married. Okay. Okay. He also, like, stole all of, like, the wedding presents and stuff. Yeah, he took
1: everything everything he possibly could.
0: So I almost, I'm like, what was your purpose here in marrying her? Were you like, oh, I'm, like, you just couldn't make up your mind? Well, he wanted oh, this some presents, fun. and
1: he wanted to go on vacation and get laid, that's my guess. Like, he just wants
0: a party, I think. I think he just wants to, like, have the party, get to drink, get to go on a honeymoon, have some sex, do some things, right? And then he's like, ooh, this is fun. And then he's like, okay, I'm over it. Yeah. What a fucker. Maybe? Like, he was going through some things here. was. He was. His midlife crisis. It gets worse. So Marie and the whole family, because remember, his brother Alfred is married to his sister in law Martha, who's married to Marie, and now Marie is back with the family. With that family, that's how she was finding him all the time. Probably, yeah, probably. That's totally. She's probably like, "You like, how do you just
1: eighteen hundreds find somebody like your husband?" I. It's because he kept in contact with his
0: brother he did yeah it's because he couldn't keep his mouth shut i think yeah so she hears about him getting married to this other chick helen which i'm sure she was livid because right this chick is like 21 years old and she is not and she's birthed four of his children yeah i would be pissed. age
1: aside doesn't even matter (laughs) i know but like yeah he's a shit
0: husband right so it was later found that he had visited Marie and his now four children in Birkenhead because she was, like, always hunting his dumb ass down. Yeah. Like, relentlessly. He apparently gave Marie several hundred pounds and announced that he was leaving for South America. He's like, it's okay, girl. I'm going to South America, but I'm going to send for you and the children once I get settled. Like, he uh, says that point, to her she all say, like, the listen. time. Go fuck yourself. She really should. Like, she's been on her own most of the time, so like, she must it, really be in love with her.
1: wife. No, I think that she just didn't have a choice.
0: <sighs> I like. Aren't I don't you know. so I glad would... that
1: we don't have to rely on men anymore fully? Because
0: I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some really great men out there. Like my husband, he's great. But there's some really terrible. But most of them are real
1: <laughs> bad. And like, like this, just guy. like. But like I'm just saying that if you accidentally get a fuck up that you can get away from them now. But back you then, can. I mean it's still hard harder. if you're in an abusive
0: relationship, but oh, he literally for was sure. running away from her. Like he literally was running away from her and she kept tracking him down. So, anyway, he had abandoned his family at least twice at this point. Like he had done it that one time in Australia, he did it again basically with the whole South Africa fiasco where she came back. Both occasions, she had tracked him down. She demanded that he support them. and She's just trying to get her child support. She really is. I think this is just like a case of that. She's just trying to get her child support. She's like, you did this to me. Well, that and if you she remains married to it.
1: him, then she doesn't look like she's like, then she's not looked down upon in that way, too. Because I'm sure that there's yeah. shame involved in that. So if she can get some money every now and then and keep that status. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of it.
0: So like before he had left on his honeymoon with Helen, he had conned some some jewelers in that little town of Hull. I hope that's actually a little town called Hull and it's not like a giant city, because that's what it is called it. Called Hull. It up, so. Right now How? Hull. H U L L. Okay. Um little town of As Hell. a result of that jewelry con that he had done, he was arrested and charged with obtaining goods by false pretenses. So he had arrived in Montevideo, Montevideo, I don't know, Uh, in Uruguay, Uruguay, Uruguay. Uruguay. He arrived basically in Uruguay um, and he was sent back to England to serve nine months in the clink. So while he was back in jail, right? So like, are you wrapping your head around this? He's mm-hmm. with Helen, goes on the honeymoon. He he runs away from her. And as he's running away, he gets caught in Uruguay, gets sent back to England. At that point, he's just like, I was just kidding, Marie. It's OK. Because Marie finds him while he's incarcerated <laughs> yes. in Hull. And she's like, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where she found him is when he was in jail again. So, Maria's is on the warpath. She's sick of his shit. So, she goes and she finds Helen. Right? Ooh, the one who had been yeah. abandoned. And was like, hey, guess what, bitch? He already had a wife and it's me. And also, he had some little kids. And you need to just, like, back off. Luckily for Fred, his second wife didn't decide to tattle on him to the police She didn't do that. Was she still like in good?
1: Like, were they still like good with each other? Because I thought he just like took off with all their shit.
0: They weren't good with each other, but he started writing her love letters while he was in jail. Yeah. So he's literally writing love letters to both wives at this point. And he's like, oh, I didn't do it, you know. I still love you everything's great you know we're gonna be a family to marie or you know helen uh i didn't mean it like everything's great you know so marie's pissed so she goes and she stands up for for her man and of course it's the other woman's fault you know in her mind she knows her husband's a dipshit but it's her dipshit i guess so fred is actually really lucky that helen is so embarrassed that she was tricked into marrying him that she didn't want people to find out yeah. that she had married somebody that already had a wife number 1 and that also wasn't even who he said he was because remember oh, yeah, he told it wasn't her even a real name yeah it wasn't even a real name like she that's so scary back then like some guy could come into your life he tells you that he is whoever he decides to be and, and it just like shows you, you some cash and you're like okay yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Eh. Anyway, so Marie telling Helen about the situation was probably a huge wake-up call to Fred, right? At this moment, he's realizing just how much trouble a scorned woman can cause him. Yeah. Because Marie has had it. So he needs her to shut up. And like he's been trying to shake her and the kids for like ever. And yeah. he just can't get away from her. So So far, <laughs> I giggle so Fred's laugh, like, I giggle,
1: I'm like <laughs> that
0: happened to me before. I know, right? Welcome to bronchitis. Okay. I know. That's exactly what I have right now. Is like, I think I have bronchitis. It just like won't go away. Anyway, Fred is feeling very vulnerable. Basically, like, he can never really feel safe while Marie is still alive. So he decides to come up with a plan to fix his problem. Like, a normal person would think, it's crazy, I can't do that. But not Fred. He literally, like, anything that he can possibly think of as a solution, as crazy as it might sound, in his unhinged mind, he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's fine. That part reminds me of
1: somebody we know as well.
0: Yes, it does. See? Yes. Okay. Actually. Like, it's scary. Okay. So, literally, all of these stupid things that a normal person would be like, yeah, that's not a good idea. He's just like, no, it's good. It's all good. Okay. So, while he's still in prison... He's carefully planning what he's going to do next. So he starts like thinking, okay, how am I going to get rid of this burdensome family permanently? So he decides he's going to write love letters to both of the wives, like I said, basically saying, I didn't do anything right. Marie knows. But Helen, luckily, somebody was telling her to stay away from that fucker. So I don't really know what happens to Helen. I hope she had a really great life after this, but she doesn't end up getting killed or anything so that's good news that's good for her so he puts this yeah she really did so he puts the plan into action shortly before he's released he writes one of those letters to um you know he talks to her about like oh we're gonna reconcile reaffirming his uh, affection for her promising that you know he's gonna send for her once he finds a stable suitable home and employment you know like i'm getting out soon everything's gonna be great so she decides she's going to help him out she sends him a thousand pounds that she had set aside for a rainy day mm-hmm. also like what is she doing for a living i don't know she's like she she's seems to be taking on. care of herself that's why i just don't understand or like is he Is he constantly, like, giving her money from when he steals from people? Or... Maybe. Like, I don't get it. We're not really sure.
1: But it wouldn't be the first time that a douchebag tricked an intelligent woman who is completely capable of taking care of herself.
0: Yes. I'm aware. Okay.
1: (laughs) So... I wasn't trying to say you or me, but just saying in general.
0: Right. Actually, I was saying in general that we both have experience with this. Okay. Keep going. It happens, man. Okay. So... He's out there and he's scouting for a secluded location. He's like, OK, I need like the perfect size town for this to get away with it. Like, what am I going to do? So he decides on this place called Rainhill. It's a sleepy little town. It's like nine miles east of Liverpool. And it has a population of about 2,000 people. And there's a hill this there, there in, and it's a rainy. That's my guess. There's a rainy hill. And he gets released from prison, and it is July 1891. Okay. So he gets there, and the first thing that he does is decide he's going to get a new name again. Of course. Because that's what he needs to do to make his plan happen. Okay. So he settles into a hotel in the village of Rainhill under the name of Albert Williams. Okay. Okay and this is where we're going to we're going to cut off. Okay. Okay. So, there's a lot more to this story. It's going to get a lot more intense. But I'm just going to leave you off at this point. He's had one wife, right, that he's trying to get rid of, but she just won't disappear at this point. He is, he just got out of prison. He's changed his name to Albert Williams. And he's getting ready to bring Marie to Rainhill. Okay. Oh, I have a feeling
1: he's going to, he's going to murder her, isn't he?
0: Well, let's talk about it on the next episode. All right. So for now, goodbye. goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye.